Hey there, chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of interesting violently-ish scenarios today, so your listener discretion is advised. You have been warned, and before we get into today's Crime Chat, Kat, what the hell is going on behind you? (laughs) You've given me every heebie-jeebie. Oh, so uh. So I got the stethoscope with, yeah. I got a Crime Chat logo. I stuck it on the stethoscope. We've got a little bit of a lungs outline here. And then, of course, consumption. I just noticed the uh, steth- stethoscope and uh, <laughs> the logo. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm confused. I thought today was a crime in cosmetics. Oh, it is. You'll see. Okay. (laughs) Crime, cosmetics, and consumption. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. I love that. (laughs) So other than what's going on behind me, Mm -hmm. last week we talked about Hijack, the Apple TV series that has Idris Elba in it where the plane gets hijacked. They've pushed out the last episode. It was amazing. It was so good. Was it? Was it? Uh, he's yeah. amazing. And then, he's yeah. amazing. He's a hot man. God, they don't make him like that. Yes, he is. There was another TV series that we watched on Apple TV called The After Party. Mm-hmm. And there's two seasons of that. And it stars Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Comedian. You know what I'm talking about? He's hilarious. Yeah. It has her and then a couple other people that look familiar I know I've seen before. But it's basically like a murder mystery. Huh? But with a comedy twist, it's really funny. Okay. It's kind of like Murder Mystery, the movie-ish. In the first season, she's a detective, solves this murder mystery. Oh, uh, Dave Franco is in it too, James Franco's brother. Mm -hmm. He's in the first season. He gets killed the first season. There's no spoiler there because it happens in like the first five minutes. So, (laughs) And then they try to solve his murder. And then there's another one, another follow-on season that has a couple of the same main characters. Tiffany Haddish is no longer a detective, but the guy calls her and was like, like, I need your help. Somebody died, blah, blah, blah. So it's really cute. It's really funny. Okay. So, oh, I love her. She, I don't, a couple of years ago, I want to say a couple of years ago, probably like 10 years ago when she had her breakout role, she was in a movie. I think it was like a, like a singles girl type of movie, but she was already a stand up comedian, but she also had like a movie yeah, yeah. breakthrough. And she bought this dress to wear on the red carpet. It was this gorgeous white dress, all embellished mm-hmm. and stuff. And she just is very down to earth. And she's, she couldn't understand how people can buy these really elaborate dresses and then never wear them again because they don't want right. to, you know. So right. she made a point. For the next, that year, she had another award ceremony ceremony to go to. She wore the same dress on purpose. Perfect. Yeah. Did her hair different. And then she hosted SNL and wore the same dress. <laughs> She's hilarious. She is. She She's is. hilarious. Then we watched a couple movies. We watched a movie called Plane with Gerard Butler, and that's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. How was it? That was really good. I think it just came out. Uh, at least I hadn't seen it. You know, until it popped up. Mm. But basically, he's a pilot and the plane ends up crashing, but they crash in the Philippines and all these like guerrilla soldiers come and kind of like kidnap the people and they try to take them to for human trafficking and that kind of thing. So it's like really suspenseful yeah. kind of movie. And of course, he ends up being the hero. Oh, that's I've heard of that before. Another one, Gerard Butler. He's another hottie patati. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
And then the last we just watched yesterday, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the last one that just came out, and that was on Disney+. Plus. Was it good? Is it worth it? Yeah, it, I really liked the ending. The ending made sense. And, you know, spoiler alert, the guy doesn't get the girl. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, and they kind of split up a little bit in the Chris Pratt, the main character, of course, mm-hmm. Peter, Peter Quill or Star-Lord. Right. So he ends up going back to Earth. You at know the what? End. Yeah. How they broke it up, though, at the end, it just, it made sense and it was like a happy ending for everybody. Okay. So I really, I liked it, but action storyline wise, the first one is, is the best. Okay. Yeah. The first yeah. one is good, but I really, they lose me when they get too romantic. Yeah. They lose me. <laughs> they lose, they lose it. It it just seems like it's when something is really forced upon you. Yeah. There needs to be chemistry. I don't know. Yeah. Don't yeah. Know. Okay, so that's a lot of binging that we kind of did. So what about you? So ironic, I watched uh, Mission Impossible 3. It was a three-hour movie, and I was not impressed with it at all because I really? – Not at all. I, I, yeah. The thing is, is that the first one was so damn good. It was so <laughs> good, and it was just action <laughs> suspense and the characters, and they had – and they spent some money on some really good co-hosts, and they kind of uh-huh. like didn't just stay in like the American actors. They had European actors. It was just really good. Mm-hmm. A, big, a big mix of good people. But like I said before, I don't like when they force down your throat, oh, this person has to be in love with this person, and they have to have oh, this amazing yeah. relationship, and da, da, da. And you know, that moment yeah. when everybody's going to die, and then they kind of look at each other in the eyes going, I love you. Yeah. Like, not, none of this actually happened. So once I pointed it out the people I was watching it with were like you know something now I, that's all I can say yeah that's like, all I can that's see, all yeah. you can see because <laughs> it's like it, sometimes it, that you can't force it however I must say Tom Cruise has not aged a flipping day like who mm. what was he frozen like what he, <laughs> he has not aged a day I, I was trying to see if there was like a wrinkle there nothing yeah. there's nothing gotta get those botox he's a he's, he's a pod person at this point i don't yeah. know i don't yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh, oh 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 okay also i had a realtor come to my place today to do an appraisal yes she came in and she goes into my office and she's like noticing the like the studio yeah all the all you know my mic yeah yeah she's like huh she's like what is this? What do you what do you do? And I'm like, well, I kind of have like you know my my partner and I we have a podcast. And she's like, oh okay. And I said the name once to her, but she but that was it. And yeah. then she just texted me and she's like, hey, FYI, I told my husband that you know I met somebody today with a podcast. Mm-hmm. And he, I said, crime chat. And he goes, I know them. <gasps> I watched them. No. <laughs> Oh my gosh! The reason why she she said the reason why it, I think it was suggested to him because like he lives in the area that I live in. I don't know some oh, something weird Facebook connection. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I know them. I watch them, and then he and then he put us on YouTube. He's like, and there you and she goes, and there you are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. So speaking of realtors, my brother, my brother called me Uh and he's like, hey, because so they've been renting a house uh, outside of Phoenix for a few years. The owners are moving back, so they need to buy a house. So they've been looking and looking and looking. And of course, ideally, we're going to want to buy the house like next door, right? (laughs) Just, you know. So Just a good fence. He goes. Put a good fence up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like we'll have a fence, but we're going to. 
dreams and hopes and dreams and everything, but we'll have like a pedestrian fence in the backyard. Okay. So <laughs> he goes, look, we're going to put an offer in on this house. The house next door is for sale. You guys got to buy it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Are you going to do it? It'll probably not be available. Aww. I mean, it's a beautiful house. It's got a, a huge backyard. Like the house is, is would be perfect for us. And the house next that he was looking at is perfect for them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ideally, yeah. But they did have, I guess there's, from what he was saying, there was a couple other people looking at the same house that they were looking at. Yeah. They're like, we don't really want to get into a bidding war, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We have some time still. We'll see. But you said realtor and that reminded me of that. So yeah. hi, Josh. Hi, Alexis. <laughs> so wait a minute. What about your grandbaby? Not yet. Okay. So by the time this episode comes out, she will be here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Our daughter-in-law is about to be 41 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. They do have an inducement date now. Okay. So if the baby doesn't come in the next week, they'll go ahead and induce her. So by the time this episode comes out, I'll be a grandma. Glamma. Glamma. Nana cat. Nana cat. (laughs) Okay. Well, from your background, I now know what your story is going to be about. Okay. And I figured I would go over, well, you asked me to go over some of the infectious diseases and, well, yeah. some, well, I figured I'd give you a little insight into, into infectious diseases and also like maybe the most popular or the most deadly. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say popular, mm-hmm. but well known. Yeah. The most spread and infectious, I guess. All right. Well, infectious diseases are disorders caused by microorganisms such as bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites that invade Mm -hmm. the body and disrupt its normal functions. These microorganisms can spread from person to person through direct contact, respiratory droplets, contaminated food, water, or Mm -hmm. various other means. It's crazy Mm -hmm. how they just like, I don't know. Yeah. The impact of infectious diseases can range from mild discomfort to severe illness or even death. Mm. Effective management of infectious diseases often involved measures such as vaccinations, proper hygiene practices, timely medical intervention, and public health. Health strategies. Yes. Now, throughout history, infectious diseases have played a significant role in shaping human societies, influencing public health policies, as we all know, if you've survived mm-hmm. the last five years. Emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases continue to be a challenge as pathogens can evolve, adapt, Mm -hmm. or develop resistance to treatments, underscoring the importance of ongoing research, surveillance, and global cooperation to control, to prevent the spread. Yes. 100%. Yes. So, (laughs) some of the most well-known and significant infectious diseases include, first one, COVID-19, baby. Yep. COVID-19. And my aunt actually just tested positive for a third time this week. Oh, no. Oh. And she is she is one of our VIP chatters. Hi, Aunt Becky. Hope you feel well. Yes, feel better, (laughs) Becky. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Yeah, that sucks. That's not a good time. So... COVID-19, as we all know, this emerged in 2019, and it quickly escalated to a global pandemic. Yes. It primarily spread through respiratory droplets and has led to widespread illnesses, healthcare strain, not enough nurses, not enough doctors, Mm -hmm. everybody's getting sick, Mm -hmm. and significant social and economic disruptions. COVID-19 has various treatments depending on the severity of the symptoms. Mild cases are managed with rest, hydration, over-the-counter medication, 
Severe cases may require hospitalization, oxygen therapy, mm-hmm. antiviral drugs in some cases, and just medications to manage the inflammation. Now, a year ago, I had mm-hmm. a strand that kind of morphed into other things, and they put me on um, prednisone, which almost killed me. Mm. So, yeah, it is not – for it definitely – the medication alone will kick your butt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next one, influenza, the flu. The flu. The flu, seasonal influenza viruses cause the flu. The highly contagious respiratory illnesses, which is, I guess, I think that's what I had last time. I think it went from COVID to like this flu to like pneumonia. I don't Mm. know. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, While in most cases are mild, the flu can lead to severe complications and even death especially among the elderly and those who with underlying like health conditions already. So if you like have COPD or if you have asthma, mm-hmm. flu symptoms can be really life-threatening. Yeah. Treatment for the flu typically involved rest, hydration, and over-the-counter medications, uh, which include antiviral medications. Next one, HIV AIDS. Mm. Now, the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, weakens the immune system, leading to immunodeficiency syndrome, mm-hmm. AIDS. Although advancements in treatment have improved the outlook of the infected, HIV AIDS remains a significant global health concern. Mm-hmm. Therapies include a combination of drugs to target various stages of the virus's life cycle, and mm-hmm. I think they're there are kind of preventative measures that people can take today. So we do have, yeah. we're more aware of it and we're more educated about how to keep ourselves safe and also keep other people safe. Right. So I don't think we're there where we can cure somebody, but but we're, yeah. tomorrow's, it's a little bit brighter. Next one, malaria. <gasps> yeah. Now in the armed forces, you guys are very on top of being like vaccinated for things like this. Right. Well, so when I before I deployed to Afghanistan, you had to take a series of like pre-exposure medications mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. malaria, and then while you were there, continue on the medication. Now, let me tell you, this medication made me hallucinate, and I literally had a dream where I had a pet shark. An Alba, uh, what's his name? Albus Alba, what's his name? Bruce. Albus Alba, what's his name? Oh, Idris Alba. Idris Alba. Did did Idris Alba show up in your dream? This was before Idris, I knew of who Idris Alba oh, okay, was. Okay. <laughs> no, Bruce, my pet shark. Oh, okay. Showed up. Yeah. And I was just like, here, sharky, sharky, sharky. So I quit taking my medication for malaria while uh-huh. I was in Afghanistan because of the hallucinations and just like the overall feeling. Like it made me feel like shit and I was tired all the time. And I'm like, yeah. in Afghanistan, that is not one place that you want to be tired and hallucinating. No. Just saying. So then I got sick. And at first they thought I caught malaria. <gasps> it ended up being meningitis. Oh, okay. So mm. so there's that. <laughs> oh, did I send you – I sent you that, that video of um, the shark at the beach, right? Yes. Okay. So that's how we do Shark Week. I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would be like – you know, it was super close, and it was he was big, and so the fin, the dorsal yeah. fin, looked like it was probably a hammerhead shark. Mm, yeah, and but but wait a minute, what's the shark that's really popular in the Gulf? Is it the mackerel? Mac- the mako shark is pretty popular. Mm-hmm. The bull shark actually can swim into the brackish waters, where like some of the rivers go out to the to the Gulf, right? And it's like that brackish freshwater slash saltwater. Bull sharks can actually 
actually go and swim in, in brackish water. They got options. Yeah. They so <laughs> and bull sharks are it can be aggressive as well, and they get pretty big. Well, the video is cute because shark had no idea. It was intruding. Like, it's yeah. just like, hey, everybody. Like, I'm just doing my thing. Like I'm just swimming along here. <laughs> and there were so many people <laughs> that were just watching it. And and that would be me. Okay, guilty, right? So that would totally be me. I would just – I would be in the water and I'd be like, hey, guy. And, you know, I wouldn't approach him, yeah. obviously, or anything like that. And I would take any precautions. But I would be like – I would get my mask and my snorkel, yeah. get underwater, and just watch him. <laughs> I think a lot of people would freeze. Like, they would be like yeah. – if I if I go really fast, then it's gonna chase me or something. So I think yeah. most people in that situation probably would freeze. But and I think well, they did I mean, in the video. They, they they do know that you know movement and anything that would indicate distress of a prey right. is something that they're attracted to. So movement, blood. Obviously, they can smell a drop of blood from like seven miles away, something mm. like that. All right, so back to malaria. Back to malaria. <laughs> <laughs> this is transmit- uh, transmitted by infected mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Malaria is caused by parasites. It predominantly affects tropical and subtropical regions, causing high mortality, particularly in children. Mm-hmm. Treatment for malaria involves medications such as drugs, like a combination of drug therapies such as HIV. What they do, they kind of like take a bunch of drugs and make the super drug yeah. to fight it. Yeah. The choice of treatment depends on the type of malaria parasite, the drug's resistance patterns. So I didn't realize there were different malaria parasites. Mm. I guess I didn't realize that either, yeah. Ooh. But that's probably okay. also why they give you like a concoction. Yeah. You know, in the military, they give you like this concoction of right. different things that fuck with your system. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I don't regret not I don't regret stopping to take those medicines. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next one. Cholera. Yes. This waterborne and bacterial infection leads to severe diarrhea and hydration. Cholera outbreaks can occur in areas with poor sanitation Mm -hmm. and access to clean water. Rehydration therapy is a crucial aspect of cholera treatment. Oral rehydration solutions or IV fluids can be administered to get rehydrated. Next one, Ebola virus disease. Mm. Ebola is a viral fever that causes severe illness with a high fatality rate. Outbreaks have occurred in Central and West Africa, leading to mm-hmm. significant public health concerns. Supportive care, including hydration. Hydration is in a lot of these. It is. Drink your water. Yeah. I got my water here. <laughs> Treatment of specific symptoms is essential in managing Ebola. Experimental treatments and vaccinations can or have been developed but are not universally available. Next one is the Zika virus. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. There was a big outbreak. Okay, so the spread, this is spread by mosquitoes. The Zika virus gained attention due to its potential to cause like birth defects in Mm -hmm. babies born to infected mothers. Mm -hmm. It is primarily transmitted through mosquito bites, but it can also be sexually transmitted. Mm -hmm. Treatment for Zika virus focuses on relieving symptoms such as fever or joint pain, Pregnant women are closely monitored as Zika can give birth defects. Mm -hmm. Preventative measures like avoiding mosquito bites are crucial. How do you avoid mosquito bites? Those little bastards get (laughs) everywhere. Spray yourself. Get your deet. Get your sage. Get your deet. Get your deet on. (laughs) Well, there's some people people that are allergic to deet, so they have to get more Mm. organic 
That remember that Avon mm. Skin So Soft? That was. Did you ever use that? The I lived on that in the summer. That's the that, yes. That honestly was better than anything on the market. A hundred percent. Yep. There was one. Shout out to Avon. A shout out to Avon. There was one time where up north because we had a lot of mosquitoes up north. I remember I was a kid. All the parents were in the pool. They were like night swimming, hanging out, drinking or whatever. Yeah. And they all yeah. had Skin So Soft on. So yep. you can see we were sitting there. The kids were sitting down by the pool. And the way the streetlights were like hitting the pool, you could see like a halo of bugs. Oh, of bugs. Of bugs. Oh, wow. The bugs weren't going near the water where the people were sitting because Perfect. they were everybody was like just drenched in skin so soft. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love that stuff. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Next one. Pneumonia. While not caused by a single pathogen, pneumonia refers to various infections that inflame the air sacs in the lungs. Bacterial, mm-hmm. viral, and fungal pathogens can cause pneumonia, leading to respiratory symptoms and complications. Pneumonia treatment varies based on the underlying cause. So bacterial pneumonia is often treated with antibiotics, while viral pneumonia may not respond to antibiotics and requires some other supportive care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are are like the most common, but I have to admit when I was doing my research, there was one thing that was not mentioned and I think it is worthy to mention it. (laughs) And that is the Black Plague. Have you heard of that? A little bit? Uh, Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) It is also known as the Black Death. This refers to one of the most devastating pandemics in human history. It was a widespread outbreak of the bubonic plague, a highly contagious and deadly infectious disease. The pandemic occurred in the 14th century and it had a profound impact on societies across Europe, Asia, and Africa. The Black Death is estimated to have uh, originated in Central Asia and spread through trade routes and the movement of people, Mm -hmm. including, you know, Mm -hmm. traders, soldiers, merchants. Mm -hmm. The disease was primarily transmitted through bites and infected fleas that were living on rodents, particularly rats. Mm-hmm. It could be transmitted through respiratory droplets when infected individuals would either cough or sneeze. It is estimated that the Black Death caused the death of uh, around 75 million to 200 million people across the continents, resulting in a significant reduction in the global population. The symptoms of bubonic plague include high fever, painful swollen lip nodes, and often Mm -hmm. death within a few days. Mm -hmm. The term Black Death likely comes from the dark patches on the skin that were indicative to the internal bleeding in severe cases of the bubonic plague. Oh my God, giving me (laughs) heebie-jeebies. As as it was, it was overall grim and a catastrophic nature of the pandemic. I guess like, oh, yeah, physically you look sick, you were sick. It was just a terrible time to be alive. Yeah. The Black Death had far reaching social, economic, and cultural consequences. It led to labor shortages, which in turn affected agriculture production and trade. Mm -hmm. The widespread death and suffering had a profound impact on art, literature, and religious beliefs of the time. The social upheavals caused by the plague also contributed to changes in the structure of the medieval society. Mm. In modern times, the Black Death is a significant historical event studied by historians and researchers. It has also contributed to our understanding of infectious diseases, the importance of public health measures, and the interactions between pathogens, humans, and the environment. Yes. So I hope that was a good intro for your crime and cosmetics today. (laughs) 
your we're CCC. Gonna, yeah, we're going to go over a couple of the infectious diseases that you mentioned, but primarily we're going to talk about consumption. Ooh. So Nat, you may be asking, hey, cat, yeah. what's consumption? Hey, cat, what's consumption? <laughs> and then you also may be asking, what the hell does it have to do with cosmetics? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> For what we're going to go over today, the phrase, beauty is pain, is going to bring this to a whole new level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm so I mentioned last week, we're going to take a break from like dismemberment and decapitation go just straight, a little bit. And go straight into consumption. And go straight on into a, consumption. On a lighter note, we're going to go to consumption. <laughs> <laughs> so for this crime and cosmetics segment, mm. going over consumption, we're going to talk about its origin, its developed effect in the criminal just justice system as we know it today. Okay. Now, consumption is the early term for what we call it today, tuberculosis, or TB. In 1720, for the first time, this infectious origin of TB was theorized by English physician Benjamin Martin in his publication called A New Theory of Consumption. Martin's writings displayed a great degree of epidemiological insight, but we're going to get into a little bit of the epidemic later. Okay. Consumption or tuberculosis is also known as thysis, a disease that causes the body to waste away. Both of these terms, consumption and thysis, were used in 17th and 18th centuries up until mid-19th century when Johann Lukas Schlonhein, it's my best, my best pronunciation, Schlonhein coined the term tuberculosis in 1839. So why is it called consumption? Mm -hmm. Well, the disease seemed to consume its host, causing their weight to drop drastically as the disease progressed. The naming convention actually goes back to as early as 460 BC wow. from the ancient Greeks, who called it yeah, yeah. So catanalasi, catanalasi, perfect. Something that meant consumption. <laughs> it, that's what means consumption is catanalysis. Sounds good. We <laughs> we now know that the microbes that cause the disease have been killing humans for almost twenty thousand years. Wow. Originally, of course, they didn't understand what caused the disease and its various forms, and it wasn't until eighteen eighty two when Dr. Robert Cook discovered tuberculosis, a bacterium of the genus Microbacterium. Dr. Cook won a Nobel Prize for his discovery in 1905 and highlighted the name tuberculosis, which I mentioned before was coined by Schlonlein about 50 years prior. Mm -hmm. But he exclusively referred to the disease as consumption and making a tie between consumption is tuberculosis. Okay. So tuberculosis was founded, but they were kind of at a... You know, for a few years, they were thinking it was two different things. So Dr. Cook made the tie between the two and won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. But chatters. What you may not know is during the 18th and 19th centuries, beauty and consumption were distinctly intertwined. Ooh. It was not uncommon for signs of illness to be regarded as desirable, beautiful, and fashionable. It's wrong. <laughs> God. The era of Queen Elizabeth I, we've talked about her on a couple crime and cosmetics episodes, mm -hmm. her distinctive white makeup became a standard of beauty in 16th century England. Mm. Women began to copy her looks as a way to designate their status or class. And after all, at this time, makeup was pretty expensive, and a woman's pale complexion meant that they didn't work outside, where their skin would be tanned or weather-worn, but rather the light complexion indicated they were of wealth and nobility. <laughs> and this was actually for both men and women. 
Elizabeth suffered from smallpox when she was 29 years old, and the after effects scarred her face. To obtain the illusion of youth and beauty over her facial disfigurations, she began to apply a thick coat of skin whitener called Venetian Ceruse. Because of this seemingly harmless lead that was one of the ingredients, some theorists actually concluded that Queen Elizabeth's death could have been contributed to blood poisoning from the lead in the powder form. Totally agree. (laughs) Professor Carolyn A. Day, author of a book called Consumptive Chick, A History of Beauty, Fashion, and Disease, Mm -hmm. investigated how the fatal symptoms of TB became intertwined with feminine aesthetics. Carolyn Day found that many of the consumption's effects were physically flattering and were a good fit for beauty standards at the time. She said, quote, pale skin, rosy cheeks, dilated pupils, tiny waists, rounded shoulders, and visible clavicles. Oh, God. This was the classic Jane Austen look. Oh, my quote. God. That's so unhealthy. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) The obsession with the consumption appeal peaked in the mid-1800s during the time of slendering corsets and large skirts that highlighted a woman's figure. And Nat, you talked about some of the damaging effects Mm -hmm. of this quote-unquote fashion Mm -hmm. in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. But basically, the continuous wear of a corset's restrictive nature would cause permanent disfigurations. This also included displacement of internal organs. Yes, yes. Have you ever seen that lady, uh, she's on YouTube, where she used a disc to make her waist like this small, like the the size of a CD or a disc? I think so. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And her organs moved in other places. Like doctors are trying to like figure out like, first of all, that. But she said it wasn't painful to do. It took, it took 10 years to do it, but it wasn't painful. How was that? I don't get it. Well, this obsession, it was actually writers, artists, and poets who manufactured this illness into a fashionable frenzy. They would depict consumption to be nothing less than beautiful. Mm. Plays, novels, operas, they would all tell the story of beautiful women who were towing the line with death. (laughs) As the popularity spread, so did the ideas of what a beautiful and proper lady would look like giving the appearance that they were on their deathbed. Mm. Consumption was thought to have been hereditary by being more susceptible to the disease than others, like it hereditary if to just to be more susceptible to it in your gene line. Mm-hmm. Like originally that was kind of thought what it was from. Either that or from bad air in the environment. One of the ways that people were judged by the upper class was their predisposition to be susceptible to the infected, and this was measured by their attractiveness. So, like, if you're more predisposed to get the illness, you're more attractive. Oh, that's yes. crazy. Okay. Oh, my Lord. So, Carolyn Day, the author I mentioned, she said, quote, that because tuberculosis enhances those things that are already established in beautiful women, such as thinness and pale skin, that that resulted from weight loss and lack of appetite caused by the disease, okay. end quote. Now, if you were not, quote unquote, blessed mm. with the disease uh, hereditarily wise, you could use makeup to give the illusion of pale skin, red rouge on your lips, and wear a dress that helps slump your posture. Mm. There were other major diseases occurring at this time, such as smallpox and cholera, but due to the disfiguring and gruesome consequences of those other diseases, they were not as desirable to get as consumption. So by mid to late 19th century, the palish and whitening effects caused by consumption were so desirable that women began to swallow a quote-unquote harmless arsenic wafer. 
They began to wash themselves with ammonia and painted their bodies with white toxic enamels to aid in lightening their complexion. They literally, that's why I said beauty is pain. Yeah. It's going to bring it to a whole new level. Like you are dousing yourself with poison to get this fashionable look of consumption. Mm. An 1866 advertisement for Francois Gregoire and company Nailed it. (laughs) They featured a crowned goddess flaunting pale skin and rosy cheeks in an attempt to sell their, quote, enamel for America. Like, it was this paint that you could use. This is enamel for America that you can use to get the consumption look. Oh, my God. Even the famous author of Jane Erie, uh, her name is Charlotte Bronte, who lost numerous family members to consumption, was quoted saying, Consumption, I am aware, is a flattering milady, end quote. While the consumption look did not make its way into current trends, it has made a mark on more recent fashion and beauty popularity. Beginning in the 1900s, women's hemlines began to rise. They began to show a little leg and some ankles. And so therefore, their shoe styles became increasingly favored. Also during this time, doctors began to treat consumption, which of course we refer to as TB now, with sun tanning, which increased the modern tanning trend. So like, they would say, oh, just go out and get some vitamin D, you know, go out in the sun and this will help you with your, what we're now referring to as tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And that's what's causing part of the trend of people getting a tan. So no longer having the illusion of pale skin of being a someone of wealth and nobility. Right. They're saying now, you know, because of a treatment for this, go out, get some sun. Eat a burger. Yeah. Eat a, (laughs) yeah. The 1920s brought even more advanced trend where women displayed clothes and hairstyle much different than their moms. Women would begin to purchase ready-made aesthetics through department stores and catalogs. Makeup was purchased at drugstores for the first time. And lower prices were introduced for the more affordability for all classes to be able to embrace the latest trends. Mm. And this went national. This kind of spread all across the United States. Advertisements also started to target young women's magazines, radio stations, billboards, that highlighted the newest fashion and cosmetic trends. Mm. Men's fashion was also affected by tuberculosis. During the Victorian era, men grew sculpted moustaches, luxurious beards, Mm -hmm. and extravagant sideburns. This was mostly credited to British soldiers who grew their facial hair to keep them warm during war. So keep their face warm. They had some hair, you know, grew the hair on the face. Right. Facial hair was also popular in the U.S., but for other reasons, this was mainly because razors were difficult to use and often dangerous when not sanitized properly. (laughs) But by the 1900s, facial hair, however, would also become dangerous itself. Really? Edwin F. Bowers, an American doctor known for pioneering reflexology, He wrote in a 1916 issue of McClure's magazine, quote, There is no way of computing the number of bacteria and noxious germs that may lurk in the Amazonian jungles of a well-whiskered face. Measles, scarlet fever, diphtheria, tuberculosis, whooping cough, common and uncommon colds, and a host of other infectious diseases can be, and undoubtedly are, transmitted via the whisker route. Is that true? Yes. Oh my god. That's why you need to wash your beard, Wash your beard. Wash your beards. <laughs> Poet John Keats, who he was 25 when he died of tuberculosis, and he said, quote, Ah, even in death he is beautiful, beautiful in death, as one that hath fallen on sleep. Oh, my God. End quote. <laughs> it was too so even with so medica- romantic. It was so romantic. <laughs> 
Even with medications today, it's still a death sentence. Mm -hmm. It begins with a chronic cough, paleness, lack of appetite. As it advances, it generates into wheezing and fever, causing red blotches up into the cheeks. Mm -hmm. You know, those rosy cheeks. The body then begins to waste away, causing bones to protrude. It destroys the lungs and reduces its victims to suffer a painful death. Oh, my God. Now, at its peak, consumption, or tuberculosis, was responsible for 25% of the deaths in Europe and similarly in the United States. At its peak. In 1889, Dr. Herman Briggs convinced the New York City Department of Health and Hygiene that doctors should report tuberculosis cases to the health department, leading the first published report on TB in New York City in 1893. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, published a nationwide tuberculosis data for the first time in 1953, reporting 84,304 cases of TB in the United States. Since then, the CDC has published a report on TB cases every year. Wow. It took them from 1893 to 1953 to per- to publish their first nationwide yeah. report. Right. Wow. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with technologies and people reporting and, right. you know, a lot of yeah. sociological complications maybe and technological complications at the time. But as it kind of got better. Mm-hmm. We can collect the data a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So today we know TB is an airborne infectious disease. It's spread when a person with the TB disease coughs, speaks, or sings. When a person is diagnosed with TB, a contact investigation is done to find and test people, likely family members, who may have been exposed to TB. A lot of this happened with COVID, too. We need your contact list. Who were you in contact with during this time? Yeah. People diagnosed with TB or latent TB infection are then treated. In 1907, Clemens von Perquet developed a skin test that put a small amount of tuberculin under the skin and measured the body's reaction. Perquet also invented the term latent TB infection in 1909. In 1908, Charles Mantois updated the skin test method by using a needle and syringe to in- inject the tuberculin. So that's probably, that's pretty much what we still get today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The injection under the skin, you come back in three to four days and get it, you know, get your TB test read. Mm-hmm. Now, TB sanatoriums were places that provided treatment for TB patients and took the patients out of their home, which reduced the chance of it spreading to their families. Patients were treated for TB with fresh air, good food, and sometimes surgery. America built many sanatoriums to care for persons with TB. Mm-hmm. In 1904, there were 115 sanatoriums with the capacity for 8,000 patients, and that expanded to 839 sanatoriums with the capacity of 136,000 patients by 1953. Antibiotics also, major breakthrough mm-hmm. for TB treatment. In 1943, Selman Waxman, Elizabeth Bougie, and Albert Schatz, I love her name, her <laughs> name is Bougie, <laughs> They developed streptomycin. Waxman later received a 1952 Nobel Prize for physiological medicine for this discovery. Today, four drugs are used to treat TB. (laughs) This is going to be fun. (laughs) Isonizade. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. (laughs) Pyrazonimide. Nailed it. (laughs) Ethambutol. Got it. And rifampin. Give that girl an award. (laughs) (laughs) These four-drug cocktail is still the most common treatment for drug-susceptible TB. Wow. Now, cat Or Nat. <laughs> Nat, you may be asking, what does this have to do with crime? Nat, what does this have to do with crime? <laughs> we got the cosmetics out of the way, okay. right? Now, the hopes that this disease would be completely eliminated were crushed in the 1980s. 
with the rise of the drug-resistant strains. Tuberculosis cases in Britain numbered around 117,000 in 1913. They had fallen to about 5,000 in 1987, but then rose again to about 6,300 in 2000, 7,600 in 2005. Due to the elimination of public health facilities in New York with the emergent HIV disease that had kind of spread so urgently, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a resurgence of TB in the late 1980s. A number of patients failing to complete the course of drugs was also very high. I mentioned it's the four drugs and there's this whole series that you have if you're infected with TB. New York had to cope with more than 20,000 TB patients with the multi-drug resistant strain, which is basically resistant to or at least both of the rifapan and isoniazid drug. In response to the resurgence of tuberculosis, the World Health Organization issued a declaration of global health emergency in 1993. Every year, near half a million new cases of the multidrug-resistant tuberculosis are estimated to occur worldwide. In 1995, the disease began to increase in the U.S., causing significant issues because much of the increase incurred in the criminal justice system. New strains of TB began to resist the treatments. However, a lot of this, as I kind of mentioned already, is the patient's failure to adhere to the medication regimen. If a TB-positive inmate is incarcerated and either goes untested or untreated, the disease can spread to other inmates, who then spread it to their families, correctional officers, and essentially out to the public. By 2003, in the United States, it became a crime in California for failure to comply with health orders, including completing the TB regimen. When someone is discovered not to complete their treatment, a health officer is required to notify the district attorney with the violations. Confinement may occur Mm. should the district attorney decide to prosecute under criminal sections of the health code. Now, this seems to also be like if they're growing in correctional facilities. And then you find somebody on the outside mm-hmm. who's not complying. Mm-hmm. You bring them into that same correctional facility. Doesn't it increase the chances of it spreading even more? Yeah, it's a broken system. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. But there, there's some precautions that, that are taken, but I'll kind of get to that in a second. In 2012, a man in California was charged and imprisoned for refusing to take medication to prevent his disease from being contagious. 34-year-old Armando Rodriguez had active pulmonary tuberculosis, which can be spread through the air when coughing. Ginger Wick, nursing director for San Joaquin County, said in a letter requesting the warrant for his arrest, quote, he is non-compliant with his tuberculosis treatment and, because of this, there is a danger that he may become contagious and or develop multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, end quote, which is true. Mm-hmm. You don't take the medication in the regimen that you're supposed to, your system then, or whatever, the, you know, the disease then kind of develops yeah. and becomes resistant to whatever drug mm-hmm. that you take. And it is, I don't know, it's kind of like, medications that are supposed to be taken on a regular basis if you only take them when you don't feel well they're not going to do any good you're going to become resistant to it the san joaquin county has more than 30 tuberculosis prosecutions since 1984 according to prosecutor stephen taylor it has also prosecuted a woman accused of knowingly having syphilis and giving it to her sex partners while refusing to take treatment Oh, like, my. I know I have this disease and I'm just going to spread the wealth. I had a case one time oh my God. that I helped on where there was a guy who was in the military and he was HIV positive and he was intentionally infecting other people, his oh. sex partners. And they actually did a, cr- a criminal prosecution against the guy. Yeah, that's that. I mean, it's, it's attempted murder, essentially. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
So Stephen Taylor, the prosecutor in San Joaquin County, is more aggressive than other jurisdictions in prosecuting tuberculosis patients to get them to take their medication, and the criminal prosecutions are an extension of the practice of medicine. However, limited access to treatments and testing have also occurred. As of 2017, it was reported people with TB have experienced discrimination in employment and healthcare settings. TB has even surpassed HIV as the top infectious disease killer in the world, especially with the multidrug-resistant strains as they, these strains begin to grow. Mm-hmm. And COVID didn't help. Yeah. As of 2021, it was estimated 1.4 million people worldwide did not receive their treatments due to COVID-19. More than 80 countries showed a reduction in treatment. In the World Health Organization reports, nearly 4,000 people died and close to 28,000 people contracted TB every day. Every day. Wow. 4,000 people died every day from tuberculosis because they were not getting the treatments partially, you know, because they didn't have access to it because of COVID. Right, because COVID took over everything. Right. That's all that we could talk about. Now, before the COVID pandemic, reported TB cases in the U.S. decreased gradually since the 1993 breakout. Uh It fell to 2.7 cases per 100,000 people Uh in 2019 and then 2.2 cases in 2020. So you're more likely to get murdered. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're more likely to be a torso in a dumpster. No, let's joke. Right. However, since COVID, Mm. there was a notable increase. In 2021, incidents rose to 2.4 cases per 100,000 people, and then again, 2.5 cases per 100,000 people in 2022. Uh It was reported that the largest increase of tuberculosis incidents last year was among children four and younger and people aged 15 to 24. Adults 65 and older were the only age group that actually had a decrease. (laughs) So good for you. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Higher proportions of TB cases also are among people experiencing homelessness or living in correctional or long-term care facilities, according to the CDC. For instance, Washington State recently had its largest tuberculosis outbreak in 20 years. 25 tuberculosis cases were identified among the incarcerated at two Washington prisons in 2021 and 2022. Uh An additional 244 resident contacts and staff member contacts without known TB histories were in five facilities they received a diagnosis of the latent TB infection. While there's an impaired negligence occurring that can delay or prevent treatment, refusal of treatment is still happening today. In June of this year, a woman was arrested for avoiding her treatments for more than a year. Officers surveilled her leaving her home, getting onto a bus, and going to a casino. Uh-huh. Can you imagine how many people she infected? That is so irresponsible. That yes. is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. So uh-huh. over a year, she had been court-ordered to take her medication. Still not doing it. A year later, she's living her life. You know, yeah. you do you, boo-boo, mm-hmm. go into a casino. Mm. She was ordered to either resume her medication or voluntarily isolate herself. And these court orders had existed since January of 2022. A spokesman for the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department said, quote, In each case like this, we are constantly balancing risks to the public and civil liberties of the patient. We're always hopeful for a patient to choose to comply voluntarily. Seeking to enforce a court order through a civil arrest warrant is always our last resort, end quote. However, her attorney argued that it was unclear whether her client willfully and intentionally defied the court's first few orders or treatment of isolation. Bitch, please. I know. (laughs) (laughs) 
The women only identified in the court documentation as VN, they only put initials in there, uh-huh. was detained in a negative pressure room in the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. These rooms are designed to restrict airflow in order to help prevent the spread of the disease. While she is not facing criminal charges right now, she was held in quarantine for 45 days until she, or until she no longer presented a threat to the public, meaning TB tested. Right. And it kind of did its thing. Now, as I mentioned earlier, those in the correctional facilities or detention centers are at an increased risk of becoming infected with TB. The CDC reported in 2021, 179 cases of the TB disease reported in the United States occurred among people 15 years or older who were current residents of correctional facilities. Really? This is 2.3% of the incarcerated population. Wow. Okay. Among the TB cases reported an increase among residents of correctional facilities. So the correctional facilities are going to be broken down One, local jails. This increased from 23% in 2020 to 31.3% in 2021. State prisons increased from 26.4% in 2020 to 27.9% in 2021. Federal prisons increased from 10.7% in 2020 to 12.3% in 2021. And other correctional facilities actually decreased, I guess, maybe holding cells or mm-hmm. whatever. They decreased from 38.2% in 2020 to 27.4% in 2021. Wow. Now, in these facilities, overcrowding, late case detection, inadequate treatment, and poor implementation of infection control measures, including incomplete segregation of people with active TB, like they did not appropriately segregate these people or isolate them. Yeah. This might have been the increase for the transmission rate of TB. When, and now to kind of figure that out, they're educating the workers. The people who work in the correctional facilities are being trained to take specific measures to help stop the spread. Uh Effective TB prevention and control measures in these correctional facilities include early identification of persons with TB through entry exams and then periodic follow-up screening. Successful treatment of the disease and latent TB infection, so making sure they take the drugs. Uh Appropriate use of airborne precautions like isolation, environmental controls, respiratory protection, wearing masks, that kind of thing. Uh Comprehensive discharge planning, making sure they follow through once they're discharged. And then thorough and efficient contact investigations when a TB case has been identified. So somebody pops positive. Mm -hmm. Who are they in contact with? Who are their cellmates? Yeah. Did family members come and visit them? That kind of thing. Did a family member bring it to them? Right. I I wonder if there's a way to kind of help people understand or incentivize them to complete their treatment, like maybe – for 45 days or, you know, the state will put you on a disability. So at least you don't have to worry about a money coming in or something. Like you can kind of quarantine and something, you yeah. know, I don't know. Well, needless to say, this disease is a killer. Yeah. I mean, it literally is and it spreads very fast. From the earliest written documentation of TB in India, it was about 3,300 years ago, the earliest written documentation of TB, to today, it has been a constant issue in society. At one point in time, it was glamorized. Mm. But the bottom line is, it's not attractive. No. Take your medicine Mm. and stop the spread. Yeah. And that's the end of this crime and cosmetic segment. (laughs) So did it make sense? Yes, it makes total sense. The crime and cosmetics and consumption? It does. It (laughs) totally does. Yeah, we had another crime chat about back in the day when they used to put the eye drops in their eye. What was it? What was what's what's the thing? Oh, when they would make their eyes dilate because yeah. they would look bigger and brighter. Yeah, I remember that. What was it belladonna or they used oh, some? It was belladonna. It was right. They would put so it was belladonna. What is it with with? I don't get it. I just don't get it. But we, you know, 
during the 80s, you remember the models and what what beauty was, was very, mm-hmm. very skinny, skinny mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Eat a burger. Stop the starve, people. <laughs> Stop the starve. Eat a burger. Come on. Beauty is pain. <laughs> Yes, it's, you know what, beauty is pain because you have to curl your hair, you have to do this, you have to do that, but it doesn't have to be unhealthy pain. No, you're right. You know, could be happy pain. (laughs) I love burning myself with my curling iron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was good. Thank you for that crime of cosmetics and consumption. (laughs) The CCC. Yes. It's a break from the DD dismemberment and dissection yeah okay. with a lot of a lot of ickies in this episode icky no mm. yeah just like just do what the doctor fucking tells you to do right. you know what i mean exactly and it's not like this is a new thing right. it's not like we know like COVID came out we're still trying to fucking figure it out right tv has been around for hundreds of thousands of years and there, like you said in in one part of the intro, like there's the Black Plague helped with yeah. infectious disease, like dynamics and kind of how we can learn a lot about it. Mm-hmm. They know a lot of shit about TB. And there's a reason why those drugs that I can't pronounce are out there. And right. there's a reason why there's a, you know, a regimen that you need to follow. Have you ever known anybody that had TB? I, when I, up north, I worked at a facility that worked with substance abuse and mental illness. And yes, we did a TB test in order to, stay at our facility and yeah there were people that came up positive and then we had to send to the hospital so like but the staff we were we were tested like we we had exactly that thing that you were talking about they would inject you the little bump. The bubble that came mm-hmm. up on the skin. Yes. Yep, yep. I mean, and I've had a TB test with the for every. It's required once a year in the military. So for twenty two years, I had a right. TB test every year. Yeah. And I've only ever known one person, one, like one of my really good friends, when I was stationed overseas. She had her TB test come up, and she was positive. And I was on the contact list because, like, we were friends and we hung out and everything. Mm-hmm. I immediately went and got tested myself. Like once she became positive. But she took her medication, like, and, and she's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, it's preventative. Even if you totally. do get the disease, there's, mm-hmm. like, there's measures that you can take. But even if you do get the disease, you can treat it. Yes. But you know what comes to mind? And it's really dark. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> do you remember that tagline? Maybe it's Maybelline. Yes. Maybe it's tuberculosis. <laughs> Because Maybe back then the beauty, yeah. <laughs> because they thought it was beautiful. Oh, Maybe it's no, not Maybelline. Maybe it's that Maybe. TB. Maybe it's consumption. Maybe it's consumption. Just oh my gosh, it's so dark. <laughs> okay, well, because we don't leave you hanging, chatters. For more information on this case, please check out after that crime chat. Only available on our Patreon. And I have about three pages of references. Yay! Like I got a lot of shit. I can't. And I can't shout wait. out to Carolyn Day who did that book on the consumptive chick. Yeah. I got a lot of stuff from her. Okay, and she's actually in South Carolina as a professor at the Furman University in the Upstate. Hi. You should call her and do like a little crime chat follow-up with her crime chat special (gasps) tell her about this episode about the crime and cosmetics we'll tag her in it yeah okay all right good (laughs) but don't forget to follow us on all our socials crime chat with nat and cat instagram facebook youtube twitter and tiktok see what we got going on that's right remember crime chat with nat and cat when you become a chatter on our patreon you'll have access to bonus episodes behind the scenes bloopers and free merch and also check out merch in the works and i also in my feed i've silly things have been popping up so something popped up last night it was a bloopers that you did a long time ago on another crime of cosmetics (laughs) 
The Lyme crime. The Lyme crime. And that's when I was yeah. testing Kat about her knowledge on last meals. And you got a lot right. I think you got like four and a half right out of five. Oh, from your uh, your book. Yeah. Your recipe book, right? Yeah. yeah. Like last meals uh, before getting yeah. injected yeah. at the, you know. Yeah. I th- ice cream, steak. I thought ice cream was going to be the hardest to get. It was the first. An- oh, you got it. Like, boom. You're like, ice cream. Who doesn't like ice cream? <laughs> Be sure to check out our next episode, Chatters. It's going to be another net story. Yes. You don't want to miss it because this time we are going to do a something versus something. Oh, net versus cat. Oh, you want to? Consumption versus TV. We, we may have to go. <laughs> we may have to do a Tiger King, the Tiger <gasps> King debate. Oh, yeah. Are you Team Joe or are you Team Carol? I'm Team Carol. You want to be, you could be, you could be anybody. I mean, there could be any, there's so many freaking I'm characters. Team Tiger. Okay. <laughs> We'll see you on the next Crime Chat Chatters. Bye. Bye.